I think when you first start it, you, you're going to do it wrong. Like there's there's no doubt about it. You just can't get it right in in a sense. Um, but his, his sort of spiel is like you do it to just get that one moment in a day potentially where everything can shut off and you don't have to worry about the past or the future. It's just you're in the present and everything. It just it's like a psychological unburdening. Hello, friends, and welcome to yet another episode of Couple of Lattes. As always, hasn't changed. I am your host, Jacques Massey. Welcome to season two. Anyone who is out there watching my talking head, hello, YouTube. Uh, so earlier in a few of the other podcasts, I think episodes 101, 102, 103, etc., I mentioned that you could find us on YouTube under the Massey Bros account. That is actually not true anymore. Uh, Couple of Lattes has its own YouTube page. So you can search for us on YouTube if you do want to watch the discussion, uh, see the heads behind the talking voices. Uh, you can find us on YouTube. That's Couple of Lattes. So C-O-U-P-L-E space A space L-A-T-T-E-S. Uh, yes. Uh, sorry to insult your intelligence about how to spell couple and A. <laughs> but that's where you can find us. Anyway. I'm rambling on. Time to sit down for part two of my discussion with Juan and Karen from the Mere Mortals podcast. Uh, just like in part one, you can find all of the details for their podcast, their website, etc., in the description below this episode. Uh, but now we're going to shift gears completely. Our last uh, part of this podcast, we talked about money and how you can make it work for you. Now we're going to talk about meditation and how you can make it work for you so without further ado let's dive into part two of my amazing conversation with juan and karen from the mere mortals podcast meditation let's get into it this is where karen's gonna shine yeah, Juan's kind of Juan's yeah. kind of had his moment, and now it's yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The stars are in your eyes now, Karen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Karen's definitely got the uh, the meditation uh, much more down pat than I do. Yeah, mine, right. mine focuses on on something, some other areas. But yeah, yeah. You might have to put your white belt on now, Juan, and take your black belt off. <laughs> yeah. <now>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys been watching the new um, Cobra Kai on Netflix at all? No, no. I unfortunately don't check out much uh, Netflix um more out of like i just i used to a lot and now it's like ah uh, when i get around to it i do but man i'm generally fairly busy with all the stuff that we do like podcasting and work and whatever that yeah man netflix is kind of like oh maybe one day i'll have the time for it especially when i'm like spending with my partner but apart from that yeah not too much yeah fair enough i was drawn to it because i loved karate kid when i was a kid oh, and yeah. it's it's about it's centered around the dude who uh, the Karate Kid ended up beating in the tournament. It's absolutely fantastic. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> love that. That's cool. Redemption story. Mm. Yeah, man. Love a good redemption story. Uh, okay. Well, you know what? I'm just going to kick straight into it. Um, I'm going to ask you this one, Karen, since you are the meditation expert. Uh, uh, not feel uh, comfortable pulling myself out yeah, go ahead. <laughs> neither would i neither would but, i, I but think he has expertise in meditation yes yes and the man can headstand like a true champion i've seen your mm. videos on your old instagram unbelievable but anyway bro what is what is the purpose of meditation and i know this is this 
this is an extremely loaded question because anyone who's practiced medica meditation, not medicating, meditating, meditating for any sort of period of time is going to tell you that it's like an incredibly personal and subjective thing, right? Um, but maybe just frame it in some sort of way that someone listening to this right now is who's wondering about meditation and wondering if they should uh, make it a part of their lives would kind of understand the basics of why why meditate what is the purpose of this crazy mm. thing where you sit down in silence for 5 10 15 20 a whole day yeah for sure i'll i'll start with a little bit of a personal story which was when i was uh quite younger so like teens that that whole period you know it's it's sort of traumatic for everyone cuz you have no idea what's going on but for me uh, i always had a very active imagination and i was always in my own head and one of the things with that was it was it was very negative self-talk. So I'd always be comparing myself to others. I'd be really unhappy with my uh, anxiety, especially when it came to uh, groups, but then especially with, with girls and women, like just could not talk to them. Same with body issues, was really skinny as a kid and just always thought like, oh, you know, no one's going to like me, blah, blah, blah. The, the whole point of that was, you know, I eventually got over that period sort of from I'll say like 21 to 25-ish just through I guess you know positive reinforcement focusing on other people blah 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 but it's still in my mind my mind was still doing that 100 miles an hour like always thinking and then it you know it tends to draw inwards I, I think that's just one of the things with the mind you, you tend to focus on yourself whatever reason that is you know evolutionary I'm sure there's there's real good reasons so for me personally, I've become in like the last year or two. For me, what it what it does is it allows me to almost become dumb in a way. So I don't analyze too much. I don't think too much. It's it's a sort of space for letting go of things, and then you come back and you are a little bit refreshed. You are a little bit uh, have a different perspective, and the introspection of of that is is really helpful. So um, you know, introspection. It's sort of weird because it's like, from what I was just saying, I was introspecting a lot in a very negative way when I was younger. And now meditations, it's it's a way of doing introspection, but by cutting stuff out in a way. So that when you come back, you're, you're sort of refreshed. I think that's a, mm -hmm. it, it, it's hard to describe because as you mentioned, it's very subjective and how you feel from it. So it's probably the best description I'll, I'll give at the moment, but mm -hmm. It, it has positive benefits, I guess. And that's the other thing. It's pragmatic. You, you do it and you'll, you do it long enough and you'll see some benefits. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I'm um, the only other thing I'm looking at to Karen there was, yeah, I, the, if you look at the definition of meditating and you thought meditating was like sitting down, lotus position, close your eyes and go away for 20 minutes. I'm terrible at that. But what's the true sense of why you meditate, right? It's to Sometimes, you know, disconnect yourself from all the stresses that you're going around you. There's obviously a myriad of ways that you can meditate and what it does. But I mean, generally for me, the reason to meditate and why you would want to meditate is to try to, you know, detach yourself from a lot of the emotions that are controlling you and to step away from all the stresses in life to go, okay, well, I can, I can control my body and focus on just one thing, whether that's the breath or some sort of hum or whatever it may be for a certain period of time you kind of let go of everything else. So when you step out of that meditative state, you kind of go, okay, I'm looking at everything with fresh new eyes, right? But I'm not a clinical meditator at all. Like I'm terrible <laughs> at meditating. I've tried it a couple of times. 
five minutes, man, this is terrible. But for me, I do it another way, and that's through fitness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really important point that you just touched on there, Juan, because I guess for a lot of people, uh, I can't remember exactly what, what the quote is around sitting in a room by yourself. Um, there's, there's some sort of quote that was really powerful to me. But to get back to my point, sitting mm-hmm. by yourself with just your own thoughts is fucking terrifying. <laughs> so mm-hmm. for a lot of people, like meditation is incredibly overwhelming and really confrontational. And for me, when I first started meditating, and I don't know about you, Karen, um, I know you've had quite a lot of experience with it now, and I think I'm the same. But when I first started meditating, like it was really, really confronting. Uh, and I kind of dove straight into the deep end in a lot of ways. And, you know, like I ended up like in tears and bringing up all these crazy, crazy deep emotions. Um, and, and I think for people out there who are listening and wondering about meditation, something like doing what you do, Juan, like going for a run, for example, and not listening to music, maybe just to listen to your own breathing and be in tune with your own body is a great way to start meditation or going for a walk along the river without your headphones on or without your phone and just walking slowly by the river and listening to what's happening around you being present in a way might be a much easier way to transition into maybe a more intense, more um, involved version of meditation. What do you guys think about that? Yeah. When you're doing those, I think the the point is you have to get into a different altered state, right? So just because you're walking by a river, you can't say, Oh, I'm meditating. No, it's, it's like, it's, you have to start off with a forceful act of focus and, if you're doing it right, it's sort of is a feedback loop where you've, you're focusing on your own focus and then you just go deeper and deeper until you hit yeah, a place where there's sort of nothingness. Mm. Um, I think, yeah. And, and meditation as well. Like, like you said, it's, it can be a lot of different things. I've sort of stopped replacing uh, just sitting down and, and focusing on the breath in a, a calm, quiet way by now doing like a real active breathing through the Wim Hof method, which is just, you know, big lung falls in and it's, it's essentially the same thing, but a more active version. Mm. So it's, it's definitely trying to find, I think the best way I've heard it is through Sam Harris. He has a really good app, um, which I found useful. And like you, I, I think when you first start it, you, you're going to do it wrong. Like there's, there's no doubt about it. You just can't get it right in, in a sense. Um, but his, his sort of spiel is like you do it to just get that one moment in a day potentially where everything can shut off and you don't have to worry about the past or the future. It's just, you're in the present mm. and everything. It just, it's like a psychological unburdening. I think. Mm. But I want to touch on two points. The one that you made a little bit initially that maybe we haven't hit on is people are shit scared to face themselves, right. And the reality of themselves to sit down and you, whether, you know, Meditating is probably another word for just focusing really deeply either on your own thoughts, emotions, or whatever you want to be focusing on. Now, yeah, people can get really scared. And that's why one of the reasons through COVID, right? People were having to be like, be at home by themselves, not seeing people. So you just, you, yourself and I, right? You get a little bit stuck in your own mind. And that can be really scary if you've got really terrible thoughts. If you've got some... You know, if you're going around in the world and kind of making everyone feel negative, uh, one of those times when you start meditating, 
you're going to potentially start hating yourself, right? You'll start to see things and feel horrible about either how you're uh, interacting in, in everyday life or you'll come across things that you'll never, you know, you don't stop to think about it in your day-to-day life and you'll go, man, I'm an asshole. Like I'm totally an asshole in doing it this way. Um, but it also makes you realize, you know, how hard it is to actually just focus on your breath. You know, you think about it. It's like, oh, it's such an easy thing. No, man, it is very hard. It's a very hard thing. The other one is, you know, the second one around, you know, whether it's walking or, or running or anything else. For me, I've always seen meditation as a focus. All right. You're focusing on something with the ability to, as you say, sort of focus and keep on focusing and be able to focus. Uh, one of the ways for me, I guess, with walking, um, yeah, maybe I'd be able to do that. But I think I just let my mind wander and then I just sort of like be dilly dallying. Why I sort of compare that, I say, I sometimes would say I'm meditating when I'm training is because if you ever see me say do a squat or do a particular lift, when I'm in, in that just a short burst of time that I'm doing it, I'm intensely focused on that particular and everything just kind of like way to way, right? So I, I've got a particular like face that I will do. I'm very in tune with my body. I'm not thinking about anything but the movement of that particular weight, right? So for me, it's like that short burst. I could imagine like a really good med- meditation session would be like that over like 20 minutes of just being so super focused on whatever it is that you're focusing on that you're always just really active in the presence. Where I think people, and I think that this is where people get it wrong, is that you'll meditate, but not in an active way, almost in an inactive way. Like you'll just think like, oh, laying down and okay, I'll just let myself breathe up and down. Because one of the things people say, right, with meditating is, oh, you know, I tried to meditate and then I fell asleep. Well, okay, well, you weren't you weren't being active enough in the in the in the act of meditating, right? Meditating sometimes is really hard. You've got to be really focused on whatever it is that you're trying to focus. I don't know, Karen, if you do have a story of when you very first started meditating, and you found there was some like, did you find a little bit of issue or disturbance where you like really were with yourself, and then you were like, oh man, this was a bit weird. Not not in that sense, because uh, yeah, I think I I dealt with a lot of that prior before I had even the concept of, you know, sitting down by myself and, and analyzing that way. I guess mm-hmm. like if you, if you call meditation, analyzing your own thoughts. Yeah. I, I was doing that when I was a kid, but in a very unhelpful way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, not, not in that sense. Um, but getting onto the, the fitness, uh, a lot of things you'll hear, you know, depending what podcast you're listening to, but is is flow state. You get mm-hmm. in this flow state where everything fades away and whatnot. And that's, you know, just, meditation but with a physical component to it as well so you hear hear of that when it's people especially doing the ultra marathons or you know crossing antarctica blah 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 whatever whatever it is swimming across the english channel they they'll talk about where they get into this place where everything fades away and it's just the breath or just the next stroke or just the next footstep Yeah, hundred percent. I totally agree with that. I just got shivers when you were describing that because that's something that you know, like I've been working toward meditation. Um, I say toward meditation. I don't know why I say toward meditation, but it feels right because I feel like with meditation you're constantly working towards something mm. because there is no end game really. I mean, Buddha talks about enlightenment, but I feel like enlightenment might be something that you reach if you spend your entire life as a monk in a temple with zero distractions and zero ideas of what happens in, in the real, in the real world. But for the majority of people listening to this, they don't fit that profile. Right. So to think that you're just going to sit down 
and do a few sessions of 20 minute meditations and you'll be enlightened and all of your worries and your suffering will fade away is, is delusional, right? I think meditation is something you're constantly, constantly working towards. And Juan, I wrote down some stuff when you were talking to touch on your point. Um, and I think this connects to what you were saying as well, Karen. Distraction is often uh, easier for people than fixing the real problem, right? And that's why you know, we're stuck on our phones or stuck on the TV or we constantly have to talk to someone or we constantly have to be engaged. And what meditation teaches you to do is to face that suffering that we hide so easily behind everyday destruction. Um, sorry, distractions, <laughs> destruction. Mm. Um, so like with meditation, for me personally, um, yes, it has that element of total presence and total clarity, which you can, in fact, carry on throughout your day. Because when you understand how to get into a present moment through meditation, you can actually apply that to everything else in your life in just a phenomenal way. Like I, my my productivity and, and my clarity has skyrocketed in every other aspect of my life since meditating. But then there's also that element of truly understanding your suffering. So sitting with an emotion, you know, like this morning I was sitting down and these these incredibly powerful negative thoughts hit me and it was just churning anxiety and churning anger and churning frustration and the way i kind of think about it it's it's like looking up at the sky and watching a cloud drift past right and on this cloud it says anxiety and you can try and avoid looking at the cloud but you never actually fix the problem until you look at the cloud you acknowledge it and watch it drift away right mm -hmm. and i think that's like another powerful aspect of meditation right is to really be able to understand okay, cool. Like I'm going to feel shit sometimes, but guess what? Like, that's okay. Like, it's fine. You're there. Emotion. See you later, bro. <laughs> yeah. No. And it's like, you know, with meditating, um, so there's two steps that, you know, people think you'll say people should meditate. And it also comes to the whole, like, why, why should you meditate then? What's the benefit that you're going to get from meditating? Uh, you know, you, you hit it spot on then like for you, you're, you're more effective, you're more efficient with some of the things that you do. So you might get, that might be the benefit to um, doing that meditation uh, for others. It might be just to calm themselves down. Like one of the things that I find that, you know, whether it's training or what I want to do with meditating is to be able to new, almost neutralize my emotions to have really clear decision-making, you know, uh, Everyone has those moments. I even had a moment this today. There was a couple of things happening earlier today. I was doing a bit of work and, you know, I wanted to like almost be overloaded with this particular emotion of being frustrated and, and go and take some effect. And that's when you, you know, if you've practiced a bit of meditation and you're getting better at it, then you can understand, you can almost step back and go, oh, okay, I can see this is what's currently taking effect in my body, right? Whether it's anger, whether it's frustration, whether it's happiness. And you kind of almost look at that, you know, from another person's perspective to go, oh, okay, this is just this emotion that I'm feeling. I can obviously choose to go and act a particular way or I can go and do something else and behave in a different manner. And I think meditation, you know, really helps out with that because you, you sit for a prolonged period of time with those emotions. Like for me, one of the things I'd love to do, I just don't find the time to do it. But the fact that I'm saying that means that I should do it even more is, you know, in the times when you're really angry, like if you want to know how to meditate, like you, you want to get the best thing for your buck meditating, I'd say meditate when you're at like an extreme point of, of emotion, right? When you're really angry, when you're really happy, whatever it may be, meditate at that point. Because what you'll try and do is focus when you're in a super emotional state and you know, obviously you're not going to do it best than the first time. But I think someone like yourself, Jackson, Karen, 
if you guys meditated when you were really angry or like just try to, you know, give yourself five minutes and be able to, you know, retrospect on that, you kind of get to see a much more open human being, right? And, and understand yourself even better to understand, okay, well, even these extreme emotional states, I'm able to pull myself back and kind of focus on something else or shift my mindset and be able to really control my decisions as opposed to, you know, my amygdala response controlling what I do. Mm-hmm. I would not advise actually starting off there. I think well, I, would, I wouldn't advise it, but I just say it would be, it would be beneficial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would, look, it's, it's beneficial at some point and experimentation is key. So that's why there's 10, how many, who knows how many different styles of meditation. Yeah. If, you, if you're coming straight at it from, you know, you heard about meditation, maybe you got into yoga and then you hear them talking about meditation. You're like, Oh, I should give that a try someday. And then you, you try it next time that you're, you know, kid hurts himself and you're rushing to the hospital or whatnot. That's probably not the time to do it. You, you need to, <laughs> to, to get Hold on, into little it. Jimmy. I know your bone's yeah. sticking out, but daddy's got to <laughs> meditate right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I think experimentation was what Juan was really talking about there, which is mm. find what works best for you. So there's transcendental, there's, um, you know, the Kundalini where it's more of the, the body type as well. There's, you know, sitting and, focusing on your breath or sitting and focusing on the next thought that comes into your head. And if you try out all the different styles, you'll probably find one, which you are just naturally better at. It's like picking a sport, right? If you're tall and lanky, you're probably not going to be the best bench presser. You're probably not going to be the best, I don't know, maybe hockey player or something, but then you try basketball and it's like, Oh hell, this is, this is better. I can Mm. do this. I've got a natural gift at this. And I think meditation sort of, sort of like that. You want to experiment with, the different styles and find which works best for you and then, you know, double down on that and keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think that's a good point to add there. And I guess for someone listening in who is really at the beginning of their journey, because meditation really is a journey in my eyes, a, a continuous journey that ends basically when you die and whatever happens after this life is maybe a continuation of that. Who knows? <laughs> But for someone who's beginning their journey, however old they are or whatever stage of life they're in, what are like some of the really, really easy ways that they can kickstart their meditation journey? I think having a, a person to, to guide you or, or something to guide you, I think is great. Now, this is coming advice coming from someone who is usually the opposite of that. I like to do everything on my own. Mm. I hate being told what to do. I hate having instructions. I prefer, no, I'm going to learn it my own way and I'll find the best way. But this is one of the ones where I tried to do it on my own, I guess. And especially while I was uh, traveling, I would set aside 10, 15 minutes in the morning. And looking back now, I spent basically a year just thinking in my bed, like lying down. I just, it was just daydreaming essentially. And I'd have maybe like little moments of clarity, but that was only good for getting me in the practice of sitting still for 15 minutes. It wasn't good for the actual psychological benefits from it. So yeah, for me personally, I'd say just try out one of the apps. There's plenty of free ones or you can get a trial Um, headspace. uh, We, we've tried that Mm -hmm. one a little bit. Sam Harris's app is really good. You can also find plenty of resources on YouTube. So go to any of those I would say is a good, is a good starting point. And that's, yeah, coming from someone who usually does not recommend that. Yeah. I mean, the second one that I'll pull out, which I was going to say anyways, was making time for it, right? Um, 
if you don't make time for it or you don't schedule it in the day, especially if you're a really busy individual, you ain't going to do it. Like you're not going to mm. fit it in, especially because you're not going to see uh, direct results like straight away. Sometimes like, you know, for me, you know, on a busy day, I am not going to say to you, I'm going to take 15 minutes out to go and meditate because I just, I, I know that I've got to go to this meeting, right? And I've got 17 meetings today. Like I, I cannot do with putting 15 minutes in. That's not happening. But if you schedule it into a time when it's going to work for you, so usually right at the start or right at the yeah, end. right somewhere where and it, and you know you make it almost like a, a non-negotiable, like this is happening. You are going to do this no matter what, uh, in a way that's going to work well for you. Then that's going to help you forcefully you know, get started in that way. Because you know when you very first begin meditating, and I mean, Karen, you can input into this, but you know of the times that I've attempted to do, you know, almost the ones where it's like you know. The, the breath and or using headspace i've really had to go and put it like in my calendar to say i'm gonna do meditation during this time and that's on, the only time that i ever really did it if i then step back and went okay for the next week i'm gonna do it three times a week i just didn't do it it just it, for me I'm, I'm someone who was scheduled so i'd probably pull it out and say you know put it in a, uh, use it in a way or if you want to get started with meditating either if you're a person who uses a schedule or whatever, yeah, put it on there. Put it wherever you use to tr uh, track tasks or whatever it may be so that you're short enough to go and do that and make the time for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's really important with meditation in particular to be incredibly consistent because, uh, yeah, because it is that continuous journey, right? So if you're doing your meditation religiously every morning for a week, and then the next week you don't do any meditation the following week when you start up again you're just going to find yourself in the same spot you were two weeks before so it, it is essential like if you're going to go on this journey commit to it be consistent with mm -hmm. it and i think it's the same with anything you do in life right like consistency is like so essential like we we can all kind of relate to each other with the podcasting right like the more consistent you are with podcasting <laughs> the more likely it's going to grow and the same can be said Definitely. with meditation yeah. And it's, it's a good one because I don't think there's anyone who's really been harmed from it. Maybe if you had you know a real serious psychological disorder and just that bit of introspection, yes, maybe that's like the one in a million case, but you know, if you're, it's not like recommending someone a, an extreme diet or doing this, you know, whatever it is that you find a lot of benefit from, but other people in general might not if meditation harms you for doing like 10 minutes a day, you are a very frail human being and uh, you got some other stuff to, to work to out. Sort out. Yeah. <laughs> and I was going to say like meditating or meditation is one of those things that, you know, I can only think of positives if you're able to do it properly. Right. If it's mm. apart from detracting from other things that you could be doing, you know, you're going to get a lot of value for it, especially in the long term. Like, you know, you were talking about it just before Jackson about, you know, how much, more uh clear sort of uh mind space you're in when you're thinking and doing things um yeah just determining like sure i want to be in that sort of state and you're going to put the you know the time and the commitment to do that over a long period of time or whatever period of time you choose to do so to get those benefits yeah and the other thing is science backs that up so i don't think there's like any studies out there which show you know doing 20 minutes of meditation a day is going to be harmful for whatever metric you want to use, whether it's happiness, health, yeah, whatever it is, it's, it's a generally blanket good thing to happen. Yeah. And look, I'll even back that even more. So 
you know, you, yeah, I listen to you know, podcasts like Tim Ferriss and a couple of others, and you know, they're always talking to really high caliber individuals. And I think Tim sort of calls it out that around 80% of the high performance he's interviewed, which has been hundreds, right? Uh, you know, 80% of them uh, meditate in some form or another. And that includes, you know, with financially like Ray Dalio, uh, people like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, he meditated um, quite a long time as well. And everyone talks about the benefits and, you know, not suggesting here that you need to be, it's two hours, it's whatever works for you, but there's probably enough proof in the pudding that it's, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if nothing else, it's, it's 10, 20, 30 minutes away from just the consistent distractions of life, which our brains have not developed over hundreds of thousands of years to handle. Like mm. we weren't designed to handle being in communities of a billion people on social media. We weren't designed to receive thousands of emails a day and process them all. Our brains, as much as we like to think they're advanced, they're still fucking tiny little mushy balls of goo. So just take 10, 20, 30 minutes out of the day to be completely distraction free and allow the supercomputer that's up here to process what's happened to you. Like, it's just like a computer, right? You still need to process information. If you're constantly funneling, funneling, funneling distractions in, and there's only a tiny hole that it can all fit through, you're just, you're going to go crazy. Yeah, mm. for sure. Mm. So I kind of want to want to swing it to something that, I don't know, might excite the listener a little bit about meditation, give them a little bit mm. more of a, a boost for a reason to to get into it. So, Karen, especially yourself and Juan, if you have a story too, I'd love to hear maybe a story or a series of stories that kind of show how meditation has changed your life. Yeah, well, I've got a good one, which is when I started meditating. So what prompted me to actually start? (laughs) I was in a, um, I was renting with this girl in uh, West End in, in Brisbane and we like didn't really know each other that much. We met through flatmates. So I was just looking for a place. She had it. So I sort of rented a room from her essentially. And uh, I was coming and going a lot. So we didn't really make friends that much. And uh, one day she went back home to Mackay for the holidays for the Christmas period. And I was in there and I brought a like cutting board, standard, you know, $2 cutting board from Kmart or whatever. And for the life of me, I could not find it. I was looked everywhere <laughs> in these places, like couldn't find the cutting board. And I was just, you know, the only reason that could have been missing was because she moved it somewhere. And I got in this absolutely like, I wouldn't call it furious state. But I murderous was, mood. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was just, I, I was fuming. I was, I was just uh, very like mid-level angry for a week or two. And every time I would go back to the place and I'd be like, man, this, like the cutting board's not here. Where, like, why would she take that? That just so infuriated me. Um, And I eventually found it. It was just in a drawer, like underneath where it normally was. And I thought I'd search her, but I obviously hadn't. And it just got me thinking like, man, how much time have you spent over the past two weeks just thinking of this one thing and getting so angry at her? And she had, you know, no course to defend herself in, in, my, in my head because it was just in my head and it just got me thinking like wow the my, my brain's messed up like some something's wrong here how, how could I waste this much time over something so so small so insignificant and it consumed you know a large part of two weeks for me so that, that was I guess like 
the the reason for starting in um meditating because it, it just gave me a chance to like actually introspect i was i was in my own head then but i was i was doing it in a very strange way it wasn't in a helpful way so mm. you know that's that's how i started the journey mm. like finding myself in such a weird position finding myself thinking in such a weird way and going hmm okay something's a bit weird here like you got to change something up because you can't keep doing this this is like this is ridiculous yeah okay my only one and this is where this is the only time that i've i've experienced it where I've, i did meditate for a period of time and it was just in essence yeah focusing on the breath but the story sort of precursory to that is there was a particular um sort of happen sense that happened at work where you know i dealt with a particular situation of some you know of a group of people that i was looking after where I kind of knew afterwards that I kind of had breached sort of my own ethical and, you know, character boundaries. Like I'd gone ahead and sided with particular individuals that still outed another individual more from the sense of, oh, well, I just kind of have to fit in. And, you know, there's all these reasons that I made as to why that happened. But in the end, it kind of was some ethical boundaries and character boundaries that I was like, oh, no, I'm not happy that that happened. And, you know, post that, I kind of had these sort of sessions with myself where I would sort of it was more like five ten minute sessions where i kind of take away and i was semi-focusing on the breath but also semi-focused on that particular scenario that played out right and i would just kind of thinking about it not in the sense of that i was like punishing myself or thinking about it in the sense like oh what could have happened i just looked at it as the scenario that unfolded and how i had allowed myself to get to that position where i had crossed those boundaries and what you know ultimately what that led to it you know i think it was like a year and a half later something similar happened in a very, very similar scenario of what well, had previously gone by. And I guess it was what helped me out was having been able to take out the time out of my days to think about just why I sort of breached my own you know, emotion and the boundaries that had gone past that I was able to reflect on it for that later time frame and going, actually, no, I've got to actually make some changes here. So, but for me, look, and I said before earlier, for me, meditating on a, like an ongoing basis is what I do in that ultra focused state that fitness leaves me with and you know the the story that i can leave people with and the positive side of it is i've never come out of a gym session where i've been hyper focused and not feel like a hundred percent like amazing in like a happy way um one of the things i'm known for when i work is being stupidly happy at 7 a.m when i start with 7 30 a.m right and people are like what the hell what's going on now one, <laughs> i'm a morning person but it's generally preceded by the fact that i've I've had like a gym session and there's a dolphins going on, but I've been so hyper-focused that I'm, I've got just an absolute clear mind when I get into it. So I think, you know, obviously if people are meditating and getting that experience. You're going to feel this almost euphoric feeling where you, you're just free, free to think and, and act as you want to. And just turning that on to you, Jax, as well. Like I, I loved uh, hearing your podcast about your own uh, seven day silent meditation. Did now that has been a bit of time has passed since then, like, was there anything that really stood out for you from there? I'm, I'm sure you had some weird experiences in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely did. Uh, yeah, I guess before I get too deep, there was, there was a couple of things that I was thinking where you guys were both talking and it kind of ties together with the concept of seeking to understand. And we do this when we communicate or some of us do anyway, most of us just talk. <laughs> But I think what meditation teaches you is first you seek to understand yourself. And when you seek to understand yourself, 
that naturally carries out in your life and your communication with others. So Juan, like your example, right? When you take some time to understand why you react a certain way or why you feel a certain way about yourself or why certain ideas play out in your mind, you could then apply that in a situation like you did, Kyron, with the breadboard and be like, okay, let's try and understand why I'm so fucking pissed off at this $2 breadboard. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy. That meditation, it's such a simple concept to just understand what the fuck's going on in your head. And it, it's so powerful. And so, like you say, so easy to do. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, on, on the week long silent meditation, uh, yeah, like crazy, crazy thoughts. I journaled all of them. Um, which was fantastic to read afterwards. Um, it almost looked like I was on mushies without the <laughs> bright colors. Um, but yeah, I guess to something I tell people that generally ask about it is my realizations that came from it was one, I didn't realize how much I still hated myself. And two, I didn't realize how much I still loved myself. But then three, and this was the powerful realization is how much none of it really matters whatsoever because the simple moments where I was completely present and outside of myself, where I was sitting down at a lake and a pigeon would sit right next to me and look up at me and connect with me in a much deeper level that made me realize that, holy shit, I'm just a pinprick of a much greater conscious that is the entire universe. That was probably like the most powerful realization for me. And I realized as well that I had only really just scratched the surface of the surface when I was thinking these thoughts and it made me only want more and more to go away and do longer silent meditations, you know, to experience what these monks do when they're sitting in the Himalayas and they're looking out and they realize how little their own bodily experience matters. Because really at the end of the day, and, and this might be a little bit whack for a lot of people to hear, and I can understand because until you experience meditation to a certain level, you can't really understand that we are just these spiritual beings inhabiting a physical body. And once you're able to pull out of that, you can really manifest anything that you want in your life, regardless of what it is. You can manifest joy. You can manifest happiness. You can manifest just enjoying the present, just being exactly where you are. And it's crazy mm -hmm. because a lot of the, like you were talking about Tim Ferriss before, and this isn't a new thing in the West, right? It's just taken a long time to connect in the West because the West relies so much on science. And there's this book by Napoleon Hill, and he, I think he wrote it in like 1936, um, called Think and Grow Rich. I don't know if you guys have read it. but what uh, I have, yeah. Yep. Yes. So what he's talking about there, in essence, the entire concept of the book is meditation in some form or another. It's understanding that when we are able to pull out of ourselves and realize that all these weird little emotions that float around and all these things that we worry so much about and care so much about mean absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things. And we can pull away from that and tap into a much greater consciousness. You can literally create anything. And it's how all these mm. insanely successful people have done it. They won't talk about it, but a lot of it is through this concept that we know as a word called meditation. Mm. And, and one of the things I was just going to get into that, right, was, you know, people, if they, if they hear that, and I, I, know, I know some people could listen to that and be like, well, it's a little bit too up in the air. What does that mean practically? What it means practically is, as you said, right, when you have the pigeon looking up at you and you have this experience like, wow, 
actually like I'm just this little thing in this huge thing of life. Practically what it means is, you know, when you're going in your day-to-day life and something happens that's horrendous, horrible, whatever may be, right? It is unavoidable suffering. You can just laugh at it because you can just go, yeah, cool. Like this happened, but you know, you have the right attitude that you can hit with this, right? That you can go up against it. And that's what it allows you to do. Meditating, getting so deep within yourself and understanding yourself. And I, I will be clear, you can obviously find that through meditating, but you can find that in, in other ways as well, right? Just understanding yourself to a really deep level. It then allows you in a practical sense to then go about your day and yeah, as you say, be present, but you know, have the right attitude even through the sufferings that everyone's going to go through. Mm. And so it's going to help you out. And that's where you've got, you know, individuals who are at the top of the game with maybe swimming or sporting or whatever it may be. You know, one of the reasons that they can go through this unavoidable suffering is because they're so in tune with their body and what their expectation is to the point that, you know, that's why they pursue that. And, you know, Tim, you know, we're talking about Tim Ferriss, one of the, one of his latest podcasts, right? And he was talking about when he went on his silent retreat, it was one of those moments that helped him realize that he was, you know, sexually abused when he was much younger. And he actually sort of, you know, blocked that uh, mindset for quite a long time until this silent tree was able to open him up. But he talked about how, sure, it was an incredibly difficult thing, but then he was able to understand himself more as a human and be able to move forward from that. So it, it, it is just, again, comes back to how many positives you can get from them and learning more about yourself and understanding yourself as who you are as a human in this, what we call life for whatever, how many years is, the better you can understand yourself and control yourself. As you say, you're controlling your physical being through whether it's your soul or your mental sort of prowess, it's just going to be better for you. One of the things that Sam Harris made me aware of was the only thing you can really be certain of is that something is happening, like that that you have consciousness because we could all be in a simulation. We could be in a vat. We could be, you know, whatever it is. You, you can never be 100% sure. We've talked before how mm-hmm. you, your senses dictate what you can actually receive as well. So... You know, I'm not seeing all the ultraviolet light. I'm not seeing the x-rays. I'm not seeing all this other stuff. So we are very, you know, in a very certain bound. There's the whole of reality out there and we've only got a little bit. So I think the power of the mind, like you mentioned in the Napoleon Hill book, is the only thing, I suppose, like second thing from the fact that we're consciousness, that there we have it, is that it's linked to the brain. So you might want to try and like, have some control of it a, li- a little bit, at least like a modicum that which you can get from meditation. The other thing to add to that though, was just because you do it doesn't mean that you're a good person, for example. So that's one of the things that's really funny mm-hmm. when you get into is you hear all these stories of gurus and, you know, cult leaders and stuff like that who just behave reprehensibly. And yes, they're very good meditators, but they also haven't spent that time, you know, it's almost like you need time outside of meditation as well, looking at your own character, the way you behave and interact with other people to then realize like, um, you know what, maybe it's not a good idea to sleep with all the sexy female students and, you know, make their husbands cuckold and all the, all the other crazy shit, steal all their money and and blah, blah, Mm. blah. So Mm. uh, Mm. yeah, it's, I I think the act of meditation is good, but that, that being said, like there's other aspects of life you, you need to concentrate on as well. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. It's it's yeah, it's just a part of of a much greater um, 
I guess, group of things that you need to do in order to live the most just and good life that you can as, as, as a person and things like, like you say, Juan, dude, I've missed the gym so much. I'm in Melbourne right now. So gyms are closed yep. and you talking yep. about it uh, almost makes me want to cry because <laughs> that's like a huge part of my life too. And like, I'm not yep. as absolutely gigantic as you are, but I want to get there one day. Um, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> like, yeah, anyway, like, you know, exercise is another one and journaling is something you can use in conjunction with meditation and eating well and there's so many different aspects of it um so yeah i totally agree with you it's not going to solve all of your problems but what it might do which a lot of other things can't is it might make you deeply aware of your problems in a way that most things can't because you are forced to see the darkness inside you and as scary as that fucking is once you see it you can actually do something about it yeah, yeah, and go, yeah. I like I, I liked your terminology at the start, where you know you're just trying to like look away from the cloud, and you know the cloud's always going to be there. It's when you focus, and it's when those those real dark clouds, right? Like you know, if you've got some really depressive thoughts or something really really wrong going on, tackling it head on, and you know, almost if it's terrible and it's just going to be sticking around, kind of knowing well, you know, the rain or the clouds are going to pass by at some point. You know, you can look to the future behind it, um, but you know, looking at it directly can also help you trigger like, okay, well, what can I do about it? I'm just not looking away and letting it just devour my life. hundred mm-hmm. percent. I got one more question before we move into the foreign one. Um, yep. And this one's a, a bit of a funny one, but also something that really intrigues me because I have, uh, I've had a colorful life, so to speak. I've tried a lot of drugs and I've mm. got a little bit crazy on, on many things, but <laughs> since, since meditating, I've, I've, I've looked at psychedelics in particular, um, especially things, plant-based medicines like ayahuasca and mushrooms and um, non-plant-based medicines like LSD, for example. And obviously there's a lot more research coming out at how these things uh, on microdosing levels can actually benefit a lot of people with mental illnesses. Mm. And this is not whatsoever medical advice. This is just me talking about my own personal research and things I've looked at. But I wanted to ask you both, like, is that something that's, uh, maybe through meditation or through your own research has, has got you intrigued with psychedelics or plant-based medicines? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll start in that I've been really intrigued in just altering states. So uh, I used to do lucid dreaming or tried to do lucid dreaming for a while, like inducing that. Um, and which then is, meditated in your lucid dream. Yeah. I tried doing that. That <laughs> explain, <laughs> explain lucid dreaming for anyone listening. So, so lucid dreaming is where you essentially wake up in your own dream. So it's a way of some people can do it naturally where they'll, and it's just like a part of their normal life. They go to sleep and they'll wake up and realize they've woken up in their own dream. Um, but for those unfortunates who can't do that, like me, it's a, it's a process you can go to. So you can take steps in your you know, waking life that will induce you when you go to sleep, almost like a trigger to make you go, oh, I'm actually in a dream, which, you know, it's, it's a very bizarre state. You're being, you're still receiving all the things that you normally get in your normal life, but you also know that it's so fundamentally different. Uh, for me, the psychedelics as well is, is similar to that. I don't have a whole lot of experience with them. Um, but I can't just say like the one time it, it worked for me, it was like, Oh shit, this really works. Like this is, <laughs> this is something completely, completely different. Um, and yeah. So, so like the, the altering of states is, is just a, a very 
interesting like consciousness itself like i mentioned it's like the only real thing so when when you go down that path you need to be a bit careful as well you don't go crazy and and um well you've got a story of someone i mean long story short is you know during karen's travels he he saw someone you know take sort of the wrong mixture of a couple of things and he yeah essentially uh, ended up having to go to jail and then they kicked him out on the street and yeah he, he he basically took like he combined caffeine weed um mdma alcohol and then another mystery substance which he got from somewhere uh, wow. like within five night in, yep. in like five hours on this one night and yeah just had a loss of mind complete mental breakdown of, yeah. of some sort you know maybe he already had a predisposition to psychophrenia or, or uh, whatever but um yeah you you know as always with this topic you got to be really careful and that's why mm-hmm. it's it's encouraging to see that they're getting back into it uh, with the maps and in, in the u.s with what they're doing there mm-hmm. um because it definitely can be beneficial like definitely can but yeah it's just one of those ones you've got to be careful with as well yeah comparing it with meditation and so like i'll extrapolate it from not just meditation and then bring it back in so from all that i've read because i've never really experienced any of it right but all that i've read more so is how and it's kind of like the altering of your sort of state where potentially micro dosing which to me is just pushing the boundary of what you just as a human can achieve right so you might be at let's say a level seven and for me i think about it like for training i was talking about this with karen a little while ago where you know people have talked about micro dosing for when you're training just with something so you can feel more of your body right you can feel your muscles moving but this can also come with meditating so if you are generally a seven out of ten and then you microdose in a safe way to then know what it is like to do a 10 out of 10 meditation session what it means is when you go back to your normal self you know what a 10 out of 10 looks like so then you can aim and strive to try and get to that but if you only ever know what you're doing a seven out of 10 and you feel like, oh, that's the highest I'll ever get, then you'll never truly know what that next step is. Mm. Um, that's kind of my thoughts with, with the microdosing thing, but with in a meditative perspective, I could see that you, yeah, you could definitely find some benefits from it. I think it's, people can get undone from the few out there who will just do it in a very unsafe manner and mm. then will wreck it for everybody else. Mm. 100%. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens with uh, this research going into microdosing and LSD and mushrooms and psilocybin over the next 10 years, because, yeah, some of the some of the initial research is really, really promising stuff, you know, like the, mm. the things it can do for people who suffer from PTSD and um, general, uh, the general umbrella of mental health illnesses is so far looks pretty phenomenal. So it's going to be really yeah. interesting to see what happens with that. On a personal note, um, yeah, I I really want to go. Uh, next time I'm in Peru, I'm I'm hundred percent diving straight into an ayahuasca trip because <laughs> <laughs> I've been dreaming about that like for a while. I think it'll yeah, be I met I met a couple of people while I was there or in like neighboring countries, and yeah, the the, the experience, whatever it is, it's, it, w- it will be interesting. It will be yeah. a story to tell. Yeah. Yeah, before, before I go into the forum, on, I'll share a quick story with you guys. A friend of mine, he was in a really, really bad way. Um, so I'm from New Zealand um, and, you know, we'd, we'd studied outdoor education together and we'd guided together and all this kind of stuff when I was younger. And 
um he was always like this really like clean straight dude like never drunk never smoked never did anything but repressed and repressed and repressed all of these powerful thoughts and one day i just had and he was a super high achiever right super high achiever and just one day I had basically a, a mental breakdown and he was so young man he was only like 22 23 but because he'd had all this pressure piled on for so long and he never allowed himself to sit with these feelings and these emotions essentially meditate or find himself in an altered state he, he went through the savage depressive cycle and he got onto a bunch of drugs and alcohol for no real particular reason. And he was a kayaker, just like me, a white water kayaker. And he tried to kill himself multiple times. And one of the ways he tried to kill himself was to kayak down this really, really hard stretch of river by himself, which is something that you, you don't do when you're kayaking down that level of, of whitewater. And people had already drowned there previously the past couple of months. Um, people that we knew and he did this with the intention to end his life and luckily he he was rescued um and he took that i think that was his third attempt on his life and he took that as like a sign like shit i need to do something and he booked a ticket to south america and long story short he, he ended up uh going to a shaman and doing the pre-rituals the rituals of ayahuasca and he shared a story with me and I'm, I'm getting tingles just thinking about it, but he was sitting there across from the shaman and he's, he'd just taken the medicine and he'd done all the purging before. And he was like, Oh, this isn't working. This isn't working. And then the shaman came over to him and he couldn't see the face of the shaman anymore. The shaman just reached in to his beating heart and pulled it out. And uh, he said something like discover who you are. And it just zoomed out and he was on this cliff top and he was trying to transform into this Eagle just trying and trying and trying to fly mm. as high as everyone else expected him to. And he couldn't, he couldn't, he just kept falling and, and failing to turn into this Eagle. And the shaman said something along the lines of this isn't who you are. And he transformed into this mountain lion. And he just knew that this was him straight away. And he was running, sprinting around the Amazon. Everything seemed super real. Like he was this mountain lion, this savage, like masculine dude. And then the trip, it eventually ended i think he was he was there for a few days just like tripping absolute balls yeah. and he came back and it's completely changed his life completely changed his life and that's like obviously this is his unique story right and this isn't something for everyone but plant-based medicine and like these other these other kind of um avenues they may be a way for a lot of people to to figure their shit out you know, other than, than what we kind of normally think is, as the usual. Um, and obviously I, I have no idea if it'll work for this kind of stuff works for, for many people. Maybe it's just for him, but it was, it was a powerful story. Yeah. And no, I look, the only thing I was going to add with that is obviously, you know, everyone's going to go through their own story. If you, you're going to those depths, but you know, pulling it to, you know, just meditating um, while the experience might not be as extreme, mm. you know, you can still get, you know, the benefits of the benefits that he saw there was, you know, he was able to really, uh, you know, retrospect and focus on his life and understand, obviously, through a particular trip. But it's kind of like what we're saying with meditating, you know, over a long period of time, you kind of are doing some of these processes to go, you know, understanding who you are. So like that mm. sort of that that perspective, you know, you tr turning into an eagle, it's kind of like imagine meditating just in a really short period, you're you, you know, you're just thinking about, oh, why am I feeling this way? And you kind of retrospect on yourself more and more and more and more and dig a little bit deeper each and every time. So, you know, plant based, I guess, it just gets like right into the heart and pulls <laughs> out the idea um, with meditating. You know, you're just scratching a little bit of surface each and every time, but you know, yeah. you're trying to understand yourself to the, to the best of your ability. Yeah, yeah sure. exactly. Yeah. 
Um, anyway, guys, um, let's move into the last kind of segment of this, the four and one. So I'm going to ask you Brilliant. four questions. I'll, get, I'll, I'll keep the questions the same for both of you, and maybe you can just take turns answering them. And then yep. I guess since there's two of you, you each get a question for me, and I'll try my best to answer them. It can be whatever question awesome. you want. But uh, first question, uh, I want to hear about the two greatest investments you have made. They can be financial, they can be personal, anything. Yeah, for, for me, it's it's um, personal. Um, facing facing the most pressing, most like nail biting, heart wrenching fear, um, which for me was talking to girls. I really, really, really struggled up until um, I was about twenty years old, and I still just could not have a, a conversation, um, you know, with anyone of the opposite sex. And so, I went through this period of about a year where I would just intentionally all I did for a couple of hours a day would just like go out and, and just try and talk to a girl, like try and meet them with the underlying, you know, sort of sexual connotations with that because I, you know, never had a girlfriend, was still a virgin, blah, blah, blah. And you know, that investment of, of time and most importantly, the facing of the fear, because, you know, I had plenty of other fears. I had fears of, of traveling. Um, for example, I'd fears of yeah, like being in a relationship, um, you know, just all the usual stuff that, that we all have. But that was the first time I really took concrete steps to to actively face a fear. And yeah, man, that's that's changed my whole life. Like it, I I'd shudder to think where I would be now um, if I hadn't hadn't done that. Mm. Well, dude, Do thanks, thanks, so, thanks so much for sharing. Like that's powerful. No, I think. You got, you got, oh, I got two. I got two. I got two. Oh, you go. My two would be, and again, two personal ones, but one's turned out to be, you know, professional and financially wise, right? One is a gym membership, right? When I was very, very young, I just decided, okay, I'm going to get into the gym. And, you know, I was swimming and I was doing a couple of things. But for me, being able to be fit and healthy um, and maintain, you know, an active lifestyle. So you can, it was one of the, it's an interesting quote. I can't remember it specifically, but you know, if you lead a, um, not an active life, but just a life that troubles your body. Like, you know, if you're super active, if you're always busy and all that sort of stuff, uh, you want at least to have a really, uh, fit and healthy body that can help you like sustain that. So, you know, I've always been a fairly busy type of guy doing a lot of things and just being able to get to the gym and, you know, that's why it pains me to hear that Melbourne doesn't even have the gyms open yet. And like, yeah, it's a bad feeling, but you know, investing in, in gym has been obviously amazing for me. Uh, and the second one is investing in relationships. So it's particularly I'm talking about through work, but with partners and, you know, ex-girlfriends and stuff like that, um, having the right relationships with people and connecting with people deeply and uh, for the right reasons has paid off uh, in multiple times. So, you know, I could look at investments that I've, I've done, right? And sure, made multiples of money two, three times. But I can I can promise you and say that it has been through my investment in relationships that I was able to like multiply my salary by five times over, right? Mm -hmm. In in like a year. And that's purely through knowing individuals and connecting with people. So um, yeah, that, that those would be the two biggest ones. Nice, nice. Mm -hmm. You got another one, Karen? Yeah, well, one triggered, I guess, uh, the memory that like the reason, one of the reasons I was able to conquer that fear is I started to gain some confidence from actually going to the gym. So I, I mentioned previously that, yeah, I was really skinny as a kid, had body issues and stuff. So that 
uh, investment in myself, I guess. And, you know, that's, that's kind of corny because it's, everyone should be investing in themselves, no matter what you do, it's sort of an investment. Um, but I think we all maybe have like five or six areas in our life where we know we're a little bit struggling, a little bit, you know, that could be better. I could be more calm when I'm speaking with my parents or other people who get me emotionally angry. I could yeah, spend more time in the fitness. I could be watching my weight a little bit more, mm. whatever it is, you know, we'd probably all have that five or six or however many and actually going after them and, and taking some steps. I think, um, mm. yeah, doing, doing something selfish, I guess. Yep. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I think that's really powerful what you touched on there guys. And I resonate with all of it. Thank you so much for sharing that deep one of yours, Karen, like that must have been really challenging to share the first time I can. I oh can yeah. Imagine. Yeah. For, for sure. It's uh, not, not a, not a quick process, but you know, I suppose the more you share things, it's also the more you get more comfortable with them. Mm. And it's like, Oh yeah, I, I used to be that person, but I'm mm. not that anymore. hundred mm, percent. Yeah. And I can, I can especially relate as well to the relationship side of things, man. Like, doing this podcast is one way to create like all these amazing connections and these relationships. Like I would have probably never talked to you guys in the history of or the future history of my life than been for the podcast. And like, I've already learned an abundance from both of you. And I'm sure that that'll continue as our relationship grows. So totally resonate with yeah, that. Exactly. So the second one I've got for you is craziest uh, experience that you've each had with meditation or if it's not with meditation, maybe just share a crazy experience you've had with anything. Oh, I think you've got to share your meditating in a lucid dream, man. I think that's got to be a crazy <laughs> one. That's, that's just a weird one. Because uh, Yeah, so I, I was trying to do lucid dreaming for a while and you know, I was just failing, failing. And then we, we actually did like a podcast on lucid dreaming and it mm. seems talking about it for 40 minutes actually managed to make my brain that very night or the night after go like, Hey, there's actually something he cares about. So, um, yeah, I, I sort of woke up in my own dream and it was very bizarre, just strange experience walking around. You're like, okay, all these people aren't real, but they sure seem like they're real. <laughs> um, and you know, you, you don't want to do anything too stupid in case it actually is like, you're pretty sure it's a dream, but you're not hundred percent sure. Uh, and I, I was just enjoying it for a while. And then I was like, Oh, might as well try and start like meditating in this. And it was, it was like I was inside of a radio. Everything just started to like sort of crackle and, and like glitched a little bit. Um, and I ended up eventually waking up from that. So yeah, I, it's not like meditating in a lucid dream enhanced the meditation, the meditation process. <laughs> just it didn't wow. seem to work that well. Yeah. <laughs> no, the crazy. Only one, I mean, I don't, and I don't have many. The only one was I do remember meditating and it was maybe in like my second or third longest ever meditation. But for some reason, I always really struggled to uh, focus on the breath. And it was like this thing that I would more have like conversation while I was trying to meditate. But in this one particular session, I was, it was, I was focusing obviously well enough that I kind of was in my mind's eye had myself as well in front of me. And so I was more just conversing with myself in front of me. So I would kind of like be thinking a question and then, and it was particularly around emotions and why I was doing this. And then this sort of in front of me, this person who was me was kind of telling back to myself why I was doing these things. Just be like, being like the physical me being like, oh, well, I did this because I felt annoyed and blah, blah, blah. And that was like my only time where I've, I've meditated and felt like, 
gee, I'm really like looking at this from like a third person perspective. Like I'm not looking at this, like if it was just me, I'm looking at it as this is just a human and, and what their emotions are. And I'm kind of looking at from a, from an outer perspective. That's cool, man. That's so cool. Um, awesome. Next one. Number one book recommendation for either finance or meditation. Oh, this one's an easy one for me. Here you go. Here you go Principles first. by Ray Dalio. This is, I, I cannot, you know, you look at it at first glance and you think that it might not be too financially specific, but uh, what is contained in that book, especially if you look at it, the full perspective. So it's got both the, if you look at the full book where it's got the historical nature um, of, you know, where he began Bridgewater Associates all the way to today and the principles that he built to, to make the foundation of the, the company those principles is what he runs his hedge fund to make billions of dollars. Right. So mm. just that alone, I just found it super useful. Um, and I'll leverage that and I kind of just split it off. Uh, if you haven't or are interested in really advanced sort of economic macroeconomics and financial stuff, the latest uh, changing new world order by Ray Dalio, which you can find online for free with a lot mm. of the chapters, but you can pre-book his Amazon book, which will come out. Um, it is really detailed around, how society changes and the financial impacts over hundreds of years that he's sort of articulated uh, that awesome wonderful wonderful stuff so mm, mm. yeah for me I'll, I'll tackle the meditation part which would be uh, waking up by sam harris and what i really liked about it is he is a neuroscientist and he's very methodical he's almost overly methodical it's like there's almost no emotion in him sometimes he seems like almost too much of a robot but he himself did like these crazy um, experiences where, yeah, I think he spent like a total of one or two years in silent meditation over the course of his life, um, going to different places, doing like three months of silent and whatnot. Uh, and in that book, he, he, he was like, like I'm, I'm very much of a, a skeptic in a lot of ways and I need to be proved. I, I don't believe people in, in a lot of senses if they're talking about big claims. It sort of needs to be backed up by science. And, and that book's really good because he's got that mix of the subjective personal experiences, but also, you know, the, the scientific explanations behind it. Um, mm. So that sort of was one of the things that actually helped me con convince me to like, be like, okay, I should give out meditation a try at least because it seems like it's doing something. Mm, awesome yeah i'll link both of those in the description i think ray dalio has that changing world order as well on linkedin so maybe i'll yep. link that as well yeah great book recommendations guys like really really good um the last one for you guys and then you get one for me this is a bit of a funny yeah. one if you had the opportunity to travel to mars knowing that you may never return would you mm. you want to go first oh, 100% <laughs> i would man 100% i would 100% i would and the the only precursor i think is if the opportunity was there and I'm, I'm not some like elite individual that is like the first person to go there. It's just like, Oh, there's opportunity. And then we're building something up there. I'd say yes, hundred percent. I reckon it'd be, I think it'd just be the, the experience of like, I like learning. And I think the experience that you'd be able to just learn in this almost like starting from zero point that it'd just be like, wow, what an experience to just be able to leave everything behind that you've already got a preconceived notion that you have to do. And be like, well, no, we can just start from scratch and just build up exactly how you want to. Um, I almost like it to be, uh, if you looked at Earth, there's a lot of red tape. 
if you went there, I think there'd be a lot of that red tape that goes away. But now that I'm also thinking about that, I think there'd also be some red tape about living in Mars. But I would. <laughs> I, I'd take the opportunity. I'd take the opportunity. I don't know what you're thinking, man. I, I imagine in Juan's mind, he's uh, imagining like alien orgies. <laughs> uh, at the very least. Parents. At the very least. That's, that's the pre-considered option if you go to Mars. <laughs> If you if you write it in, you pay for that as you go there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For, for me, that it, it'd be a no. I think the the list having to listen to people and do what people tell me to. I imagine there would be a lot of that going on mm. if I if I uh, undertook that journey. I'd go up to space, but yeah, I think I think Mars would be a bit too far, a bit too many uh, kowtowing to people telling me like, oh no, you have to put your waste in this recyclable, blah blah blah. Yep. Yeah, I mm. think. I think that would bother bother me too much. Awesome. Good. Awesome to see two different point of views. Awesome, guys. Well, I guess you each get a question for me. And then uh, once you guys have asked, I'll uh, I'll get your details so that anyone who's listening into either this podcast or the part one, which was the finance one, they can find you, follow you, listen to all your amazing podcasts and get around what is, what I think, uh, something pretty awesome that you guys are creating. Good. All right. Well, I'm going to kick this off. Do it. I was going to say, so you're into photography and a bit of uh, videography, right? Mm -hmm. My question to you would be, what do people get most often wrong with photography? Because I like photos and I like taking photos, right? With a Samsung S20 uh, and I've got a couple of cameras that I used to use. They didn't come out with great shots. What do people get so wrong about photography? Good question. That's hard. (laughs) Mm. Everything. (laughs) Like if, you had to, if you had to advise someone one thing to be like, okay, stop doing this wrong, what would it be? Oh, it depends what you're taking photos of, really, bro. Like if you're taking photos mm. of landscapes or people, I, I would say, okay, this isn't one blanket rule because it is photography is there's so much to it. Um, I would say look at the nine fundamental uh, rules of composition. That will level up your photography whether it's on a phone or a camera whatever the hell you're using uh understanding how composition works will completely change your photography cool i'm assuming some of those are like light angle nope so it's it's about composition so for example uh by positioning myself on a third instead of in the center the eye the human eye is naturally intrigued by that and drawn towards the third so that's one rule Another one is leading lines. So like if you take a photo of a long road that just keeps going, the the viewer is naturally drawn into the image as opposed to just glancing at it and looking past. So there's two other rules. There's yeah. seven others. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's awesome. It'll completely change your photography. There you go. I can look them up. Good. Nice, nice. I'll send you a link That's if you good. like, bro. No, no, definitely, man, if you could. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually yeah. writing an ebook on it, which is funny. Oh, I asked. Asked. Yeah. Mate, but I'll, but I'll, send, I'll, I'll send you a link. That'd be amazing for sure. Awesome. I, I suppose mine would be, I've really struggled a, a lot in life with people saying like, you need really good mentors. You need uh, some people to help you out. And that's definitely true. But what I've found is that for me, most of my mentors, like the people that I would consider role models have always been not ones I've directly interacted with. They're more like online figures or figures from the past or whatnot. So if, who, who would you say is like the person who shaped you the most, but that you've never actually met? Oh, that's another good question. Bangers, banger questions, lads. You'd think you guys have a podcast or something. Eh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think we talked about things like this. 
Uh, a mentor that I've never actually met. Met as in like in person? Yeah, in, in person, yeah. Mm. So that can still be alive. That could be a person from the past. Um, yep. You know, you maybe it doesn't even have to be a mentor in this day. Just the character, what they display, something that you yeah, look so, up to. Something that's just influenced you tremendously. Yeah, I mean, this is going to sound cliche as fuck, but it has to be Tony Robbins. Like when I was in a super dark place, when I read his books and, you know, read, looked at some of his videos, he's a, he's a powerful, powerful human being. And he, he has a real gift to turn people around. And I don't really read that much of his stuff anymore or look at that much of his stuff. But if you're someone who's in a really fucking dark place, I don't think there is a single person better equipped to get you out of that dark place than Tony Robbins. That man is fucking powerful. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and I think it's just like it, just through it, the energy alone that he brings into any interaction he does, you can just learn a ton load from that. But yeah, I've seen, if you, if you don't, haven't seen anything, I'd probably say like the net, the Netflix um, uh, sort of little short of for Tony Robbins, you'll get to see at least a little bit, but yeah, I, ditto that with some of his books and some of these videos and you know if you can go to the full events as well i think you just take yeah tremendous amount of uh, value from it yeah he's an unbelievable human being anyway guys um cool that was amazing we just sat down for close to three hours and smashed out two parts of podcasts if anyone hasn't uh, listened to the first part uh, i'll link mm. that in the bio as well um but yeah for you guys obviously you have a podcast it's called mere mortals uh, it's an incredible podcast. You guys just hit 10,000 listens, I think it is. So it's growing in popularity. But for anyone listening in who wants to know more about you guys, uh, the podcast as individuals, or they maybe just want to reach out to you and say, hey, you guys are fucking awesome. Teach me about this shit or give me some tips. Mm-hmm. Where can uh, where can listeners find you? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for the the compliment. It's very much appreciated. We're, we still feel like we're, you know, just scratching the surface, only been a year in. And I'll always feel like that. Yeah, it's always, <laughs> always going to get better. Yep. Uh, as far as uh, interacting with us, the place we direct people to mostly is Insta- Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. So mm-hmm. if you go there, that's where you'll, if you, you know, DM us or comment on our photos or whatnot, that's that's where we'll get back to you for sure. Yeah, so specifically, yeah, it's me, underscore mortals, underscore media. Um, I mean, you're also going to be able to find us uh, through YouTube. So we also, we publish ours through audio but we also do it through a video format as well so um mere mortals uh, on youtube as well there we also have a, a website so you can actually see all of the links where we actually um you can reach us through so it's mere mortals uh, media.com mm-hmm. so you can mm-hmm. find us pretty much everywhere there uh personally i mean because i don't know you don't have too much pr- uh personal stuff out there zero but if you want to find me um more for professional stuff juan granados at linkedin uh, post quite a few different things there specifically around the financial sector and a couple of other things mm-hmm. uh, and Juan underscore Swanee on my personal Instagram to see <laughs> lifting and food that I eat nice. it's a lot so yeah you know but look um, I wanted to say thanks to that Jax uh, awesome to have a conversation What one thing I really enjoy about podcasts right you're talking with people for three hours and it's not just talking you're communicating you're sharing information and I think every time I've done a podcast with Kyron and every time that I've had a communication with other individuals, whether it be yourself uh, or other interviews, I come away going, man, it felt like I spent three hours actually learning some stuff, right? It didn't just feel like I was talking for talking purpose. And I wasn't uh, just chatting about like, uh, you know, what should we do this evening? And you know, it's just boring stuff. It's actually tangible things. And I really enjoyed the conversation. So 
yeah, I do appreciate the time yeah, you've taken away to obviously put this together and have that conversation with us. Hundred mm, percent, man. I could not agree with that more. It's incredible. Like I'm, I'm, I'm still brimming with energy right now, even though we've been sitting here for three hours. Because, like, we're social beings, right? Like, with communication and having these deep conversations has gotten human beings to where they are now, as opposed to being just another ape on the savanna. So, mm. like, by doing this, like, I get so much out of it, and I'm, I'm just so grateful to be sitting here with you guys. And I can't wait to meet you uh, in the flesh one day and who knows maybe down the track we'll be doing some sort of investments together or maybe we'll be meditating or you'll teach me how to do handstands and yeah that's that for me like uh, i'm just so pumped that I, I got to make yet another incredible powerful connection so thank you guys that's oh, amazing oh look yeah. as soon as as soon as COVID comes out and we can go down to melvin i'm gonna i'm gonna go down there and get a uh, doherty or something like that you can come along with you can deadlift <laughs> mate, it'll, it'll, I'll look like a fucking child next to you they'll tell them tell, they'll be like mate don't bring your kids in here <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no. it's the worst also, thing about us doing video I, I you know I personally don't think I look that bad but I'm <laughs> bigger than next to one yeah, yeah your comment was he looks like a spider yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. he's got a spider look next to me so. <laughs> yeah dude your biceps yeah. are like the size of my fucking thighs put together yeah <laughs> <laughs> awesome guys thanks so much no, Cheers, thanks, man. man. Thanks so much for that. Thanks for listening to part two of my conversation with the lads from Mere Mortals. Uh, I wonder if your brain is melting as much as mine is right now. What a incredibly deep philosophical discussion about meditation that was. Uh, if you want to know more about meditation, uh, be sure to hit up those guys on Instagram or you can hit me up as well. Uh, all of our Instagram links are in the bio below. I also did a podcast a little while ago about my experience during a week of silent meditation. You can check that out. I can't remember. I think it's like episode 90 something or maybe it's 100 and something. I can't remember, but you'll find it. Uh, just search couple of lattes on your favorite podcast platform. Hey, on that note, I want to ask you a huge favor. If you can leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, you will be my hero for today. Each review, each rating gets us out to more people, more potential listeners, and helps me grow the podcast, which I'm super, super, super duper keen to do. Uh, so much love to each and every one of you, and we'll see you on the next episode of Couple of Lattes.